Well, uh, how are you doing tonight? You guys doing well? Uh, it is good to be back. I'm telling you, it was incredible. Uh, the views I got to see, just God's creation uh, going up the coast, unbelievable stuff. Um, but it's really good to be back. And so um, we are going to go into time of teaching. Uh, if, you've, uh, if you've got your, uh, if you haven't really done so already inside your program, is a message note sheet. Definitely take that out. It's green and white. I'm going to pray. We're going to get started. You guys ready to go? All right, let's pray. God, we're just excited to be here and continue this epic journey that you have us on, this vision that started before time is being worked out now in real time and will be brought to fulfillment at the end of time. And we're excited just to see where the next step is. We pray you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Our story starts today uh, several months ago, and uh, I was out hiking. This time it was during the day. Uh, and uh, it was a Friday morning. Friday's my, my, normally my day off, and I was out hiking, and I get a text from my assistant, because now Verizon gets you text anywhere. And uh, so I was out in the middle of nowhere. I got a text from my assistant, and she said that I'd gotten a, uh, she'd gotten a phone call that uh, I'd put on my out-of-office thing Thursday night when I left, you know, that I'm, I'm out of office until, uh, until Monday. And so he'd gotten this bounce-back uh, email when he had emailed me the night before, and an important financial decision they had to make, and they had to make it by Monday. And so when he got my thing, that I'll get back to you, you know, next week, uh, Monday, uh, that wasn't working for him. And so he, he was calling her to see, is there any way, we've got this big decision, big challenge in our life, is there any way that, uh, that I can talk with Mike? And so she was texting me to find out. And so uh, the next day, I uh, got back to him, and he shared this situation. And I won't go into all the details, but uh, they're facing a major financial challenge in their life, and they're trying to figure out what to do how to meet this new, uh, this new need that had come up. And one of the options that they were looking at was, should they consider cutting back on their tithe in order to meet this, finan- this other financial need that they had? Uh, kind of giving to God in order to, to help meet this need. And so they wanted to kind of run that by me. And uh, one of the things that made the, made the situation even more challenging is that they had a, a relative in their life that uh, was aware of their need and was willing to help meet their need but he was not a believer. And he said, uh, I'll meet the need, but I won't meet it unless you give up giving to God, because this whole thing's ridiculous. And so they're checking with me to say, what do you think we should do? Well, today, we are continuing on our series that we've been in now for the last uh, couple months uh, called Epic Living the Vision. And for those of you who are new, and every week we have new people, for those of you who are new, uh, this is really a, a message, uh, this is a series that's based on a letter from a man that we call the Apostle Paul to a group of Jesus followers that are centered around an ancient major metropolitan area in the, in the Roman Empire called Ephesus, a city called Ephesus, about a quarter million people. It's about 30 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and so uh, uh, Paul is writing to them. It's kind of modern-day uh, modern Turkey. Uh, kind of, and by the way, I found out this week I may be going to Ephesus this next year. But anyway, uh, that's, that's another story from their day. But uh, anyway, um, but, uh, and so he's writing to them. And in this letter, he's sharing with them uh, kind of God's vision for creation, this epic vision. Uh, and he, he shows that what happens is when we come to Jesus, we find out that, believe it or not, we've been chosen before time began to play an important role in this epic vision of bringing all of creation restored and healed under the leadership of its true king. 
And, uh, and so in the first half of this letter, kind of Paul lays out that, that vision, this epic vision. And the second half of the letter, then he begins to get real practical and say, what does it look like to live out that vision? And so we're in the second half. Uh, and we, last week, we entered into a brand new section that starts in chapter 5 and goes in verse, from verse 15 to verse 21. Now, it's only seven verses, but in the seven verses, Paul raises six important topics. And so we're slowing down once again. We're going to take one a week. Uh, and if you had an overarching topic to kind of, uh, kind of uh, put over this whole six topics, it's really the will of God. Uh, Paul says you've, you've come to Jesus now. God's got a plan for your life. Well, what does it look like to live out the will of God, to experience the will of God, to discover the will of God? And so that's the topic on the table today is, is how to discover the will of God. And so uh, it's, a, it's an important topic. I know we all uh, have that question. How do I know God's will for my life, right? So we're going we're gonna to jump in with that. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called Epic uh, God's Will. And if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to chapter 5. You've got your uh, apps. We'll turn them on. We're going we're gonna to pick it up at verse 15 where Dre started this last week and uh, go through verse 17. So chapter 5 and verse 15, uh, Paul says, be very careful then how you live. Uh, now remember, Dre mentioned this last week, I've mentioned a couple times, that in the Greek, what it actually says is be careful how you walk. And this is a very common metaphor the Bible uses. Life is like a journey. Uh, on this journey, there are different paths. There's paths that lead to life. There's paths that lead to death. We see, especially as Dre mentioned last week, in the wisdom literature, Proverbs is really big on this. So choose wisely, right? And so Paul, kind of, of, kind of going back to that wisdom literature type of thought, <laughs> he says, be very careful how you walk. Uh, not as unwise, in the Greek it says not as foolish, but as wise. Uh, he, says, he says the first step, that means making the most of every opportunity. So as followers of Jesus, if we're going to live out God's will, first step, we want to live lives that are intentional. Making the most of every opportunity. I like to say uh, we, like to, we want to live life by design, not by default. Be intentional. And so we want to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We live in a fallen world. Time is short. We want to make the most of this time that we have. He says, therefore, do not be foolish. Second time he said that. But understand what the Lord's will. And when you see Lord, it's talking about Jesus, Lord Jesus, what Jesus' will is. You've come, you've, come to, you've come to Christ. You've come out of darkness. He's changed your life. You're once dead. You're now alive. You have this epic calling on your life. So, hey, make it your goal in life to understand God's will for your life. So topic on the table is God's will. And what, this is such an important topic. But how many of you have at one time or another said, I really want to know God's will for my life? How many of you said that? Right? How many of you, uh, maybe uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you rhetorically, right now, there's a situation you're in, you say, I need God's will for my life. I mean, some of you are saying that right now. So that's the topic on the table is, uh, Paul says, as followers of Jesus, uh, you need to make it your goal in life to understand God's will for, for your life. You're, you're, you're no longer, well, you, you're, you're, you've come to Christ, you got a, a new thing. So today that's topic. So what I want to do today is in the time that we have, I want to use four principles to help us understand this concept of God's will, to kind of flow out of this passage based on this passage. And there in your note sheet, you have a section called Epic, Discovering God's Will. 
And I want to start kind of simply today. We're just going to, these, each of these principles is going to be like a building block. It's going to lead to the final principle that's the most important, all right? So it's like building a house. We're going to lay a foundation, and then we're going to go up. So here we go. Uh, first one goes like this. The first thing Paul wants us to understand is that God has a will. If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, he has a will for your life. He's got a plan. He's not just like, hey, make it up, uh, do whatever you want, uh, hope it works out for you. That uh, when you come to Jesus, uh, he's got a plan for your life. And we've talked about this throughout this series. In fact, we've seen this all the way through Ephesians from the very beginning. That when we come to Jesus, we find out that believe it or not, as crazy as it sounds, that we have been chosen before time began to play an important role in this epic drama that's being lived out. And for example, there in your note sheet, remember that first or second week, we looked at this verse. In chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that he, uh, uh, chapter 1 verse 4, he says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Okay, he's got this plan. And then when you jump down to verse 11, look at the next verse, Paul builds on this. He says, in him, we were also chosen, in Jesus, we were also chosen, Catch this, having been predestined, planned out, according to the plan, so there you go, you got, got a plan, according to the plan, of him, talking about God, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God's got a plan for all the creation, and he says he's working out his plan, and he says you are chosen to be part of this plan, this God who is a great planner. And so when we get to chapter 5, it's not surprising then Then in verse 17, let's look at it again. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That when you come to Jesus, he's got a plan. He's got a plan for your life generally. He's got a plan specifically. And so he says, as a follower of Jesus who's been rescued, you need to really press in now and be seeking God to understand his will, his plan for your life. So that's number one. God's got a plan. He's got a will. Number two. God's will is both generic and specific. So God's will for your life, for my life, it's both generic and it's specific. Now, what I mean is that that when we talk about God's will, when you and I think about God's will for our life, and Dre touched on this a little bit last week, when you and I think about God's will for our life, typically we're thinking about a specific uh, situation, right? Should I take this job or not take this job? Should we buy this house or not? Should we uh, move to Nashville and get out of California or not? Um, You know, should uh, 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 should we change churches or not. Should we, you know, we're, we're looking for something specific. And when we think of God's will, we often think of God's specific will for our life in a particular situation. But what we need to understand is when you come to the Bible, usually when it's talking about God's will, it's talking about his generic will for all believers. Okay, you're a follower of Jesus. This is his general will for all believers. For example, uh, there in your note sheet, I put a couple examples from Paul's uh, other writings. Uh, the first one is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And Paul puts it this way. He says, um, he says he's writing to Christians in Thessalonica. He says, uh, be joyful always. Uh, pray continually. As a follower of Jesus, prayer should be part of the fabric of our life. 
Uh, give thanks in all circumstances. Or no matter what's going good or bad, uh, keep a perspective on life that God is with you. God's working in this situation. We're not necessarily going to thank, give thank, thanks for what's happening, but we're thankful for what God's doing through it all. Uh, and he says, uh, for, he says, for this is God's what? Well, so that's God's will. He says, so if you're a follower of Jesus, this is his generic will, that we are to be joyful always, that we are to pray continually, we're to always give thanks. You can take it to the bank. That's true every day, never a situation when it's not true. It's God's will. It's generic will, right? Look at the next verse. This is a passage that we actually looked at a few weeks ago when we were talking about sexual purity. But he's writing to the Thessalonians. They've come out of this background of a heavily illicit, promiscuous sex. We talked about that. And he says, it's God's what? It's God's will that you should be sanctified, which is uh, kind of a fancy word of saying kind of separated out for God, uh, made holy, pure, not impure. Uh, you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is his generic will for your life. No exceptions. Yeah, but you don't understand. Well, this is a unique situation. Well, whatever. If you knew her, you'd understand. Whatever. No, it's like, no, no, no. Uh, if this is your follower of Jesus, uh, God's will is sexual purity. That's kind of step one in following Jesus, right? So, so this is his generic will. And so, so in the Bible, usually when it's talking about God's will, it's talking about his generic will. Now, this is what Paul has been unpacking for us the last couple chapters. The first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul lays out this epic vision. Chosen before time, what he's doing in creation, and so on. Where we, the part, we, role we play. We get to chapter 4, he starts getting really practical. He starts telling us, okay, you want you to live lives now worthy of the calling. This, you have this epic calling in your life, live worthy. So, hey, pursue unity. Protect unity in the body of Christ. Um, use your gifts to serve the community. Do your part to expand the kingdom. Um, uh, learn to rethink your whole approach to life. Go to the school of Jesus. Enter the school of Jesus. Put off the old. Put on the new. Here's how to deal with anger. Here's how to deal with integrity. Here's how to deal with your words. Uh, here's how to use your words to, to, to uh, build people up. Here's uh, about generosity. We're going uh, uh, working to, to give. Uh, here's how forgiveness works. Right? So we, he's been laying out for us, uh, this is God's generic will for you. And so here in chapter 5, in verse 17, where he says, understand the will of the Lord, what I want you to say is his primary emphasis is not the specific will, it's on the generic will. Okay? You're a follower of Jesus, this is how God wants you to live. However, having said that, we understand in the Bible that God has a specific will for our life as well, right? Like God says to Abraham, I want you to leave your family and your home. I want you to go to a land that I will show you. Just take off. I'll let you know when you get there, right? Now, that's not for all of us. I kind of felt like the way on the motorcycle trip, but in general, uh, that, that's not the way uh, that he's going to lead us, right? Uh, he says to Moses, go down to Pharaoh. Uh, that's not a command for all of us. That's his specific plan for Moses. He says to Isaiah, I want you to take off all your clothes and go naked through the city. Uh, aren't you glad that's not for all of us? <laughs> and so, so in the Bible, we see God being direct with his people. God's speaking. He says in the New Testament, he tells Peter, hey, there's some men downstairs. Go with them. I've sent them. 
He says to Philip, hey, I want you to go out to this road on the way to Damascus, and when you get there, I'll tell you what to do. He says to Paul, hey, I don't want you to share the gospel here. Keep going over here. Uh, Dreams, visions, uh, the voice of the Spirit, uh, uh, wise counsel. God has a specific will for our lives. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, Often, Christians will disagree how specific that will is, right? Um, For example, um, let's think of like a common example, marriage. There are some Christians who believe that, uh, that God has a generic will for marriage. Well, all Christians believe this. There's a generic will, that when you marry, you marry someone who is a believer. The Bible is very clear about that. Someone who is growing in the Lord, someone of character and so on, that's God's generic will. And so a lot of believers just believe that, you know, that's God's will. And as long as the person that you're uh, dating meets that criteria, you can, you can marry whoever you want. Like there could be several people you'd be married to. Other Christians think like, you know what? No, I think it's more specific. I think God has a specific person for me. Uh, And so the generic people will say, well, how does that really work? I mean, if one person messes up in the history of the world, we're all messed up, right? So so Christians will disagree. It's funny, on this trip to uh, to, uh, wherever I went, um, (laughs) one of the places I ended up was Spokane. And I I had done a wedding a couple years ago from some friends of mine over in Hawaii, and, uh, and so uh, I was stopping by in Spokane to see them. I spent a couple days. It was really exciting to see how they were thriving in their marriage and just really doing so well. And I was talking with a husband about this one day. He said, it's really exciting to see. It's obvious your marriage is really healthy and thriving. And he said, yeah, it's, just, it's been amazing. And he said, you know, it's funny. He said, because I, I always believe that, uh, that God kind of had a just general will for my life. He brings this up. And he says, as long as I, I could marry many different people, as long as they were a Christian and following Jesus and he said, so when I made the decision to marry my wife, I thought she met the criteria, and I, I decided to ask her to marry me. He says, but now that I've been married for, to her, he says, it just seems like she was chosen for me, right? And so Christians will disagree on how specific this is or how, how kind of granular uh, God's will is, but uh, I think most Christians would agree, and the Bible would support, that God has both a general will for our life, a generic will, and a specific will. All right, you with me on this? You follow this? So all we're doing is laying a foundation. Uh, we're, we're building somewhere so that God has a will, that that will is uh, general, it's generic uh, for all Christians. And then there's times he's got a very specific will for our lives, and Christians will disagree how granular that becomes. But everyone agrees that he does have a specific will, right? Okay, number three. Number three is that And this is important. God's specific will never violates his generic will. Now, this is important because from time to time, you'll run across a follower of Jesus who says, you know what? Uh, I I think God's really uh, leading me to get out of my marriage. You say, well, why? Well, it's because I'm just not happy. I've been happy for years, and I met this person at work, and we've got better chemistry, and my marriage is really tough, and it's kind of a struggle, and and so uh, I just, I don't think God wants me to be happy. And I really prayed about it. I think that he wants me to leave that, leave that and he, you know, create me to be unhappy. And so he's the only one, right? So, so what they're doing is they're claiming that God is speaking and that his specific will is for them to leave their marriage and to go into this other relationship. And sometimes you'll hear that. And so when you hear that, you know that's not from the Lord, right? Because God's specific will will never violate his generic will. Does this make sense? 
So, so it happens other ways. Someone says, yeah, it was really awkward. I was applying for this job, and they asked me some questions about my past, and I, 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 I kind of some white lies, I guess, um, but I just really felt God wanted me to have this position. And, and so, you know, and it's awesome. I got the job. I know it's what he wants, right? And so what they're claiming is that, that in this case, his generic will of telling the truth, being a truth teller, doesn't really apply because his specific will was to get the job. Um, and so we could go on and on with examples. Sometimes this happens with people that uh, you, you'll meet some people that their life is uh, always a mess, right? And they're, they're always, you know, one day God's telling them one thing to do, and the next day God's reverse course on this. You know what I'm talking about? And, and their life is always a mess, and they're, but they're always claiming, well, I, I, God told me to do this, or God's, you know, leading me to do this, and you're just looking and saying, wow, you know, it's not looking very impressive. God's not looking so good here, because your life is, if your life is an expression of God's will, we got a problem, right? And so uh, what you see in the Bible is that God's will, I, th- I love Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And he says that uh, as we learn to think God's thoughts after him, we're transformed. He said, then you'll be able to experience God's will. And it's what's perfect and pleasing uh, and, and good. You know, and, so, uh, and so God's will, when you see a person who is being led by God, you should see a life that's, life that's lived well. You see, see the blessing of God. It makes sense to it, right? And so, so these are some, some guys, and this becomes a very important uh, guardrails of our life. Because when you start to believe uh, that God speaks today, if you believe that God has a specific will for your life, if you believe his Holy Spirit will lead you, if you believe that God uh, gives visions, that God gives dreams, if you believe in prophetic words, if you believe that the Spirit uh, leads us today like he does in the Bible, if you believe that, and I believe all that, right? But if you believe that and you begin opening yourself up to that, there is some danger, isn't there? And the danger is, is we start thinking our will is God's will. And uh, well, I have this picture. I was praying and I had this picture, right? Well, awesome, you know, but we need a little bit more, very, we need a little bit more um, direction than that. And so, so that may be from the Lord. I'm not saying it isn't from the Lord, but one thing we know is that the word of God is like the guardrails of our life. What you know is that God's will his specific will will always be within the guardrails of his generic will. Are you with me here? And this is so important, and if we don't get this clear in this, then we come to discerning God's will in our life. It happens all the time where people will go off track spiritually because they ignore the clear teaching of his generic will, believing that they have heard from him on his specific will. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so that's, that's number three. Now, now we're coming to Peter. This Everything's been leading up to this one, right? Because if you're like me, you want to know God's will for your life. You want to know his specific will. You want his generally, you want his specific will. And the question is, how can I become a person who can discern God's will in my life? You know, we started the day with a story. I'll come back to it in a few minutes. This, this couple saying, hey, we want God's will for our life. We're, fit, we're, hit, we're, we're facing a financial crisis. We're trying to decide whether we should go back and, and kind of uh, slow down on our giving to help meet this need. We're trying to discern God. You may have another decision. You may have an opportunity, a job offer in Nashville. 
You know, for what you can buy a house here, you could buy three, uh, three farms there. Right? Uh, you, you know, you, you're trying to decide, do we leave our church? Do we do our, our network of family and friends here that we built over the years? And is God calling us there? Um, you're, here, you're in a job that you absolutely hate, but it's very stable. You have great benefits. You've got uh, a 403B. Uh, it's government, so they never fire anyone. Um, You'd be so pleased at the things I do not say at times, but I'm I'm right there. Uh, and, and so, but or you have this job over here, and this is a risk, and this would be a risk, but you know, uh, high risk, high reward. And do we make that? You know, do we give up the sure thing for the the the, the risky thing here? Uh, hey, I've got to uh, make a decision. My kids are now four years old, five. Next year, I got to decide: is it homeschool? Is it? Uh, uh, Christian school? Is it public school? What, what do I do? Uh, we have a situation with our relatives. We need to figure out how to respond to them in this kind of crisis. You know, what do, God, what do you want us to do? And so we're all faced with these situations, right? And we, and we all want to know, well, how do you discern God's will? And so all of this that I've said so far is just building blocks for what I'm about to say next. Okay, so this is the page. Here it goes is that to discover God's specific will, follow his general will. If you want to know a specific will for your life, start by following his specific will for your life. I mean, if you want to know his specific will, rather, start by following the general will. So let's talk about this. What, what are we talking about? What? I think that often we deceive ourselves. I listened to Dre's last two messages. did a, a great job the last couple weeks. He talked about embracing God's will or faking it, right? Two weeks ago, he talked about greed. And uh, it was a great point. And I think often when it comes to God's will, we deceive ourselves, that we think we want God's will when we really don't. And let me explain how it works. Um, so, so here's how, how it works. I think that we face a big decision, right? Kids, this kind of schooling, that kind of schooling. Take the job or not take the job. Uh, quit or not. Uh, date her or not. Uh, I've been dating him for two years, hoping he'll change. I'm not seeing a lot of, should I hang in there? I'm getting older. My biological clock is ticking. Do I stick with this guy and hope that the Red Sea will part? Or do I jettison him and look for someone else? Right? So we all have these decisions. Do I marry her or do, I know, we all have these decisions. And so we have some kind of big decision. Something presents itself. We have to make a decision. And so we go to God, and we begin to, God, God, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I really want your will. We go to our life group, and say, I've got this big decision. Here's a decision with the work, or whatever it is, schooling, whatever it is. Uh, we maybe, our, our relatives are Christians, we call, hey, I've got this big decision. Anyway, all hands on deck. I need God's will. And we really think 
that we want God's will. But the reality is, we often don't. And you say, well, how do you know? Well, the way I know is because often when we're asking for God's direction in his specific will, we are living in active rebellion of his generic will. So the guy who's saying, God, should I marry this girl, is sleeping with her. The man who's saying, should I take the job in Nashville, has already made the job his idol in his life. The couple that's trying to say, God, should we jump in the market we've been saving for years? If we don't jump in now, we'll never get a house. We're afraid it's, it's kind of over our budget, but we're never going to get a house. The couple, God, would you please lead us in our finances, has been blowing off what God's word says about debt and about giving to God for years. And you see, what happens is that we often go to God in these big times of need because we recognize there is a lot that is riding on this decision. And we don't want to mess up our lives. We want to be happy. And so what we want is we want to use God as our Ouija board to make us happy. But the reality is, we have not surrendered our life to God in the generic will. And so it's obvious we don't really want his will We just want him to make us happy. Does this make sense? And what you see in the Bible is that God speaks and God leads one kind of person and one kind of person only as a general rule. And that is the person that the Bible says fears the Lord. Uh, The fear of the Lord is especially an Old Testament phrase. It's used some in the New Testament, but especially in Old Testament to describe someone not, not who's afraid of God, but they understand that God is God and I am not. And therefore, I need to come under his leadership. And I love him and I trust him and I'm going to follow him. And so I come under his leadership. I don't mess with God. One person in the universe you don't want to mess with, it's God. There's a, there's a real fear part of it, but it's not kind of a craven fear. It's just like you don't mess with the big dog, right? And so, for example, in the Old Testament, there's a great psalm, Psalm 25, has a lot about God's guidance and will. I'd recommend, we're on life group break, we're on life group homework, read, uh, study Psalm 25 this week and just ask yourself the question, what does it teach about discerning God's will? And it's to be a powerful study for you. But Psalm 25 and verse 12 the psalmist David says, who then is the man who fears the Lord? Right? Who, who is that person? And he says, he will instruct him. God will instruct him in the way chosen for him. Isn't that beautiful? He says, hey, who is the man who fears the Lord, loves God, respects him, comes under his leadership? He says, God will instruct that person in the way chosen for him. What's the implication? The implication is he's not going to instruct the person who isn't fearing the Lord. Why should God waste his time telling you whether to marry her or not when you're not doing what he already told you to do? 
You see, you're already blowing them off. You're already showing them you don't fear the Lord. You're already running your own life. And so now you're hypocritically coming to God and asking him to show you how to make yourself happy and pretending you want his will. You don't want his will. If you wanted his will, you would do what he told you to do. And so then so many times we say, I don't understand why God isn't speaking. I don't understand why God isn't leading me. I've been praying about this. I just never seem to hear from God. Well, I've got a question. Are you a man or a woman who fears the Lord? Are you listening to his generic will? Are you, are you the kind of person you come here to church and you, you take notes or you, you remember and you put it into practice and you say, God, I want, you to, I want to please you. I want to understand. Like Paul said, I want, to, I want to be wise. I don't want to be foolish. I want to make the most of my opportunities. I, I want to understand your will so I can pursue. I'm hungry for you. That's the kind of person God will lead. Everyone else, wasting your time. All the way through the Bible, you see this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so many times we want God to speak and lead. He's not going to because there's other issues that need to be addressed first. You know, we started the day with this story of this couple. And, you know, uh, sometimes you can pick things up in an email right away. But in this particular email, uh, you know, after I got the text, I, I went back and read my emails and, and got this. And right away I got the text. This was a couple that really did fear the Lord. At least that was my initial blank. That was my sense. That this is a person, they really did want the Lord's will. They, they really wanted to please him. They weren't just asking and hoping I would say yes uh, cut your tithe, uh, you know, and, and they get the answer they wanted or whatever, that they really were looking for wisdom. They, they really wanted it. And one of the things I told them uh, in this email as I emailed back is say, hey, listen, you know, you're a follower of Jesus, right? You have the Holy Spirit, and so he's going to lead you. So I'm going to share some thoughts with you, and if they're helpful, great, but you're going to have to discern this, you know, on your own because you have the Holy Spirit and, and all, but let me, let me share some thoughts. And so uh, one of the things I shared with them is that, um, first of all, that I could imagine times in our lives where God would call us to cut back on our giving for some reason. Uh, I, I think it would be kind of unusual, honestly, but I could imagine there may be times where, you know, we're going through certain kind of financial hardship or certain other kind of needs or whatever the thing is. I could imagine that. Uh, and so I wouldn't, like, right out of the back, you know, right out of the gate say, no, that's not that thing. But um, I said, but in this case, this doesn't sound like it has the Lord's signature on it. I said, here's why. There is a generic principle about the will of God, and it comes from Romans 14. And in Romans 14, Paul says that as followers of Jesus, we should always act out of faith. And what he means by faith in that context is we should always act in line with our convictions, faith or conviction, about what we believe God wants us to do. And he says, sometimes we may be right about it, our convictions, sometimes we may be wrong about it, but he says, it's always important to do what we think is right, even if what we're doing is wrong. You know, even, we, you know, even if, like, uh, for example, we have, we're legalistic, and we have some legalistic standards, and God would actually give us more freedom, but in our heart, we really think this is what would please him. Paul says, it's always important to act out of our conviction as to what we think God would please, please God. 
And uh, he says that anything else is sin. He says if you act uh, against your conviction about what you think God wants, it's sin. Even if it's not sin, it's sin. Are you with me in this? And so um, I said, so as I listen to this story, it doesn't sound to me like this idea of you cutting back on your giving is flowing out of your faith. It doesn't feel like this is something that God is putting in your heart. You're sensing God calling you to do, and you're asking me, could this be from the Lord? It feels like it's flowing out of fear. It's a fear that you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, and so this is just an option. And I said, on top of that, I think this would be a really horrible witness to this non-believing relative. Uh, he's been watching you for years. You've been telling you believe in Jesus. You trust in God for your needs. He's obviously a man that trusts himself for his needs. He trusts in his money. And I think that if you were to cut back on this, that he would say, see, that's what I've been saying all along. You're just like the rest of us. You say you trust in God. You say you trust in God to provide. But when push comes to shove and it's really a crisis, you turn to someone with money like me uh, instead of turning to your God. And then I shared an important principle with them. And I want you to catch this. It's so important. I said, when it, when it comes to discerning God's will in our life, it is so important that we come to a place, whatever the decision is, where we are willing to go either way with that decision. Because not that you equally want either way. But I'm willing, God, to date her or not to date her. I'm willing to break up with him or not. I'm willing to move to Nashville or not. I'm willing to take this job or not. I'm willing to homeschool, even though it would kill me. I'm willing to do that, you know, or not. Are, are you with me? That's, I said, until we come to the place where we are truly willing to go either way, think of Jesus and Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours. He did not want to go to the cross, but he came to the place, I'm willing to do. I said, until we come to that place, it's usually very difficult to sense what God is telling us to do. And so I sent off this email to him, and uh, I heard back the next day. And it was a beautiful thing, because what my initial sense about them was true. And they said, you know, we... Thank you so much for your time, for your energy on this. And, and they said, uh, you know, we prayed over this, and we really think you're right. We, we don't think this idea of cutting back is from the Lord. We think it was coming out of fear, and, uh, and we don't think it would be a great witness. And, and so we've decided, though, we don't know how we're going to meet this need, that we are going to continue to give as we have. We, we believe that that is God's will. He's revealed it. And so we're going we're to do that, and we're, we're not sure how it's going to work out, but we made that decision. And he said, and so we shared that with the relative. And the relative surprised us by saying, well, I'm going to help you anyway. <laughs> and catch this, and it led to the best conversation we've ever had about our faith. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, see, here's the thing. I think if they had not been willing to go either way, they would not have been able to discern that. There's something about coming to a place where, God, we are willing to go either way, not that we like it equally, that really opens us up then to hearing the voice in the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
There in your note sheet, I put a quote from George Mueller. Uh, some of you would be very familiar with his name, but a lot of you would be, this would be a new name. George was, uh, he was a very famous Christian leader uh, back in the 19th century. And uh, he was an amazing man of God. He was uh, well known for prayer, power of prayer. Uh, he started all these orphanages in England, and he didn't have any funding. He just would trust God to provide the needs. He wouldn't even tell people the needs. And he just pray in the answers. And his, if you ever have a chance to read his life story, it's, it's inspirational and f- fantastic. But he talks about this principle. He talks about in his life, you know, if you really want to hear from God, he says, what has to happen? And he, he spells this out. He does a great job. He says, I seek at the beginning. In other words, when I'm, I'm seeking to discern God's will. He said, I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a, sli- a state that it has no will of its own in regard to a given matter. Okay, so not, not that you don't care one way or another, but you're, you're really willing to do whatever God wants. And catch this, nine-tenths of the trouble with people generally is just here. Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When one is truly in this state, it is usually but a little way to the knowledge of what his will is. And I tell you something, that is true in my life for sure. And sometimes it takes a while to get there. Sometimes you just push a button. There's a, a wrestling. There's a, a praying it through. There's a discussion that has to happen. But there comes to a place where you truly come to a place where I, I'm willing to do whatever you want. What I want is I don't want you to deliver my will. What I want is I truly want to do your will. And we come to that place, God is able to speak because we have become a person who can be spoken to. Remember Samuel? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Paul says, okay, you're a follower of Jesus now. You've come out of the light, or out of the darkness into the light. He said, and so now, as a follower of Jesus, you want to choose wisely. Be careful how you walk. Make the most of your time. Make it your top goal in life to understand God's will. And if that's your desire to understand and to experience his will, you're ready to listen, you're ready to follow, then God will be able to reveal it and you will be able to move into the epic life that he has for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the beauty of your word. And I'm just so thankful for these things. That you have said, who is the man, the person, the woman that fears the Lord? That you will counsel them in the way they should go. And God, I think that in this room right now, there's probably a lot of us that are realizing that we've deceived ourselves. So many times we've asked for your will when really all we've wanted is you to bless our will. And because of that, we have not had clarity. Because of that, we've made bad decisions. Because of that, we've not made the best use of our time and most of our opportunity. Because of that, our life has not gone the way it should go. And so, God, today, we, we want to come today as your church and say, we really want your will. We believe it is good. It is right. It is perfect. 
We want to experience it. So we want to surrender at a new level so that we can be a person that you will counsel into this epic life you've called us to. And so, God, as we come into this time of worship now, as we bring you our offering, God, we want to surrender to you and become transformed into the kind of people that have a story to tell, really rooftop people, able to share how good and pleasing and perfect is that will of God. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we worship? I love both those songs. Uh, They're like anthem songs when we go to Israel. I have certain images indelibly etched in my mind. I remember our very first trip. And I remember we got on the Sea of Galilee on the boat. And I got on early, got my iPod out, put it into the sound system, this little boat, and cranked it up. It was just, the place was rocking. The captain said, can we turn that down? I said, no. We're paying the freight here. And we cranked it up, and we sang rooftops, and I watched as these 50 followers of Jesus came on singing at the top of their lungs, walking on that boat, rooftops. The second image is of the song, I Surrender. It's a very different image. We always play that in the Garden of Gethsemane. We talk about Jesus and how he learned obedience from the things he suffered and how his final test was there in Gethsemane and how there he learned how to surrender all that he was to the will of God. And the reality is you can't sing rooftops without learning to sing, I Surrender. These go together. You can't know the goodness of God without the death. That's why Jesus said, if any man would follow me, let him take up his cross. And we have to die if we want to live. You want to live big, you have to go low. And so this week, Paul says, God's got an epic plan. And his desire is for you to experience the will of God, which is good, it's perfect, it's pleasing. But the only people who experience that will of God are those people that are willing to surrender, that learn the fear of the Lord, that learn to bow their knee. There's a cost to experiencing the presence of God. There's a cost to being transformed. And the cost is the death of your old life, that you may rise with him, a new person to new life. Amen? Amen. And so may this be a week where you die to the old, that you don't play games about asking God for his will unless you really want it. And the way to find out whether you truly want the will of God in your life, a specific will, is not by do you ask your life group to pray. It's not by whether you ask your friends to pray. It's not whether you go to God and say, God, I want your will. The true test of whether you want God's specific plan for your life is whether you live the generic plan that he's teaching you every week. That's the litmus test, amen? So may this be a week that we surrender to the will of God. We experience it's good, right, and true. That we may experience that life transformation, live large, that we might shout from the rooftops his name because we have been changed at a core level and we are experiencing the powerful and good will of God for our lives, amen? God bless you all. See you next weekend. Have a great week.